This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. This is Deb Calvert, co-author of Stop Selling and Start Leading, How to Make Extraordinary Sales Happen. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, just connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. And if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. I'll have more on Blinkist in a few minutes. And now on with the show. Today, we welcome Deb Calvert to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about the new book she has authored with James Kuzis and Barry Posner, Stop Selling and Start Leading, How to Make Extraordinary Sales Happen. As president and founder of People First Productivity Solutions, Deb Calvert helps companies to boost productivity through people development. This work includes sales training, team effectiveness consulting, and leadership program design. Deb has been named by the sales recruiting firm Treeline as one of the 65 most influential women in business, and she consistently appears on lists of top sales influencers and thought leaders. Prior to founding her firm, Deb was a corporate training director for a Fortune 500 company, and her early career included a variety of inside, outside, and major account sales and sales management positions. Her previous best-selling book is Discover Questions Get You Connected, and it has been named one of the 20 most highly rated sales books of all time by HubSpot. And interesting fact, Deb's post office box at near Kansas City is in the town of Peculiar, Missouri, population about 5,000, and the town motto of Peculiar, Missouri is where the odds are with you. Deb, congratulations on Stop Selling and Start Leading, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Doug, thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you and your audience. I hear you're now in 143 countries. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. I was very excited to to learn that, and I just found out about that. So um, here we go. Uh, We better get it right here, Deb. Now, (laughs) I thought there's so many listeners. But um, standard disclaimer, this is the Marketing Book Podcast. Douglas, why the heck do you have a book about sales on? 
your podcast, and it's because I feel strongly that marketing people that don't understand sales, marketing people who've never been on a sales call, who have, don't have any kind of relationship with the salespeople at their company, are going to be uh, increasingly uh, less effective. And uh, before we started, Deb, you were starting to say, well, there's a, there's a corollary to that. I think so. I, I really believe that it goes just the other way around, too. Salespeople who don't understand marketing are bound to make mistakes, and they're not going to keep up with buyers and where buyers expect them to be. So we need to know each other's worlds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a little background. I've been able to interview Jeb Blunt and Anthony Anarino twice for the podcast for their phenomenal books, and each one of them recommended James Muir's book. Uh, the perfect close, and James is a listener to the to the marketing book podcast. So when I interviewed him, he said, "You have got to talk to Deb Calvert about her new book." So <laughs> here we are, and thank you, James. Yeah, and I'm a fan of all three of those, so uh, I feel like I'm in good company. Yeah. So let me start with an excerpt from the beginning of the book that really I think is going to set the stage and help people understand a little bit more what's going on here. Stop Selling and Start Leading is a book about how to make more sales. How? Our research shows you can make more sales by abandoning salesy behaviors buyers resist and replacing them with leadership behaviors buyers desire. This book is about the extraordinary things sellers do when they stop pushing people to buy before they're ready, and they start guiding buyers by transforming values into actions, visions into realities, obstacles into innovations, separateness into solidarity, and risks into rewards. Stop Selling and Start Leading is about ennobling the sales profession and dignifying buyers, a shift that turns tedious transactions into exciting customer experiences. Now, Deb, you did a lot of um, research associated with this book. Over 500 business-to-business buyers and the one thing that James Muir said to me before we uh, spoke today, you and I, he said, make sure to ask her about that research. So I think he, <laughs> he either, uh, he, he must know, uh, know about that. But I, I want to ask you to talk uh, about some of the surprising findings, uh, and particularly if you could compare and contrast what buyers used to want and what they want now. Sure. Well, okay, so it was a a panel study with 530 B2B buyers, pretty in-depth. And then we also got stories from over 500 sellers. So we looked at this from both the buying and the selling perspective. And some of the surprises, let me start with things we all know. We all know that buyers are dissatisfied. There's some of that research out there about how only 19% of buyers rate meetings with salespeople as valuable to them. And we all, sellers, we're all feeling a little bit bewildered, right? What, What is it that we're supposed to do? Is it inbound, outbound, social? And what about just good old fashioned connecting with people and picking up the phone, that legacy stuff that's always worked for us? So we have this bleak picture. We have buyers who are so empowered that they go out and they do all the work on their own of researching products, or they think they do it all. And then they want to meet with us and talk about price because they think that's all that there's left to talk about. So that's the the environment. Mm -hmm. What I expected to find and did find in the research is that it's true. Connections are still what we're aiming for. 
buyers want to have connections with the people they're going to buy from. Mm -hmm. But those connections and what they look like and what buyers want to see sellers doing to earn the connection and maintain it, there were some surprises within that part of our research. One of the most notable surprises is that buyers want sellers to step into a role that's much more like a leadership role. Buyers want us to take a certain degree of leadership. They want us to guide them through their process, and they want us to, at the same time, dignify them and bring them right along with us, as opposed to getting too far out in front of them. So a big shift, one big shift that we need to make. Yeah, at one point you mentioned uh, they, it's like they want a buying coach. Exactly. They, they do. They want someone who's going to serve as a guide, leader's guide. They take you to a new place full of exciting possibilities. And the work of coaching is very similar because coaches also are are there. They're helping you to see the way forward to, to get to a goal you want to get to. Mm-hmm. And you're right that leadership, uh, like selling, is, is often misunderstood. Explain that. Sure. Uh, you know, I think when people hear the word leader, they First, think about the people at the top of the organizational chart. Mm -hmm. We think, and we have mythology about this, right? Leaders are up there in some ivory tower. Mm -hmm. Leaders are removed from people. Uh, We have myths like natural born. Leadership is somehow reserved for this select few who have these innate characteristics or that job title. And none of that's actually true. See, leadership, and and the work of Jim and Barry affirms this for over 30 years, they've been researching this. Leadership is a choice that we make. We're all leaders, right? People watch us, people follow us, they look to what we're doing. So we're either on purpose a leader and we're guiding people to a place we want to take them, or we're accidental leaders and we're doing things that people are following, but it's not really what we'd choose for them to follow. So we have to think about ourselves as leaders and make deliberate choices about where we're taking people. Right. And you could be the newest salesperson at the bottom of the sales rung at your organization, and this would apply to you. uh, I don't want people to think that leader means, uh, in in the instance of your book, having some position of formal authority or a a title or a, a spot on an organizational chart. Nope. Those are senior managers. We might call them executives, but leadership is everybody's business. Every person has the capacity to lead, and leadership is simply a choice. We do certain things when we want to lead. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about how the, the single characteristic that's the cornerstone of leadership is credibility. And what behaviors could a seller exhibit that would increase their likelihood of, of uh having more credibility? Well, early on in any relationship, but certainly in the buying-selling relationship where uh, buyers come in with a certain degree of skepticism anyway, the first behavior that we judge when we're determining whether or not someone is credible is this one. It's called DeWYSIWID. And uh, DeWYSIWID is an acronym, D-W-Y-S-Y-W-D. And it stands for Do what you say you will do. Simple, right? But that's all we have when we first are in a relationship. Does the person do what they say they will do? Can I trust that person because they live up to their promises? Mm -hmm. 
and it's kind of sad that it's it's still somewhat rare to encounter sellers who will do what they say they're going to do. Well, buyers feel that way. Now, I do encounter a lot of of really good salespeople, but occasionally we get swept up in our busy, hectic schedules, and we forget that buyers are judging even the smallest of things when Mm -hmm. it comes to credibility. Did we say we're going to call at 930, but we didn't call till 945? Well, we had a little slip in credibility there. Yeah, That's all they have to work with at the beginning. So we've got to be on our best game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... In the, the book, you talk about the, the five practices of exemplary leadership, w- which consists of 10 uh, specific leadership commitments. And I was wondering if we might be able to, to walk through some of these. Sure. We, we have time for the five practices, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, these do come out of the work of, of Barry and Jim for over 30 years. And this has been validated by over 5 million research documents, the Leadership Practices Inventory. So there's been a great deal of participation globally in this body of research. And the five practices are the framework. It's an evidence-based framework of leadership. And this is what our research consisted of with those 530 B2B buyers. In fact, we drilled it down, five practices, 10 commitments, but in the research, we got right down to the 30 specific behaviors, six behaviors under each practice, and we got very granular. Mm -hmm. What we found out is that for buyers, all 30 behaviors, which means all five practices, are important to them, and they would like to see a higher degree of frequency from sellers in every single one of these, so they're all important. And what's interesting also is that this is more about the buyer than following some sales process that maybe the buyer does or doesn't want to follow. Absolutely. So the first one is model the way. Yes. Model the way means that you are guided by your values and your principles, which means, first of all, that you've worked out what your values and your principles are. What is it that you stand for? And this goes back to credibility. Model the way and credibility are both very important because nobody can believe a message until they believe in the messenger. And as the messenger of of important messages that we want buyers to believe, as sellers, we have to work out our principles, our values, and then align our actions so that we're demonstrating what we profess we believe. Mm -hmm. So I could see a business owner or a sales manager or a salesperson saying, or a marketing person saying, yeah, 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 that's great. That's, that's, that's soft and fuzzy. But can you give us examples of where this can go sideways if they don't model the way properly? They don't think about their, their vision and their purpose. You bet. This goes sideways all the time. Think about sellers and marketers who take actions that are not in alignment with their company's brand promise. And that's why companies like Apple are so very thorough in making sure that the geniuses in the Apple bar, for example, all are representing them in a very specific way. They have standards and they communicate those standards to every single person who represents the company. Otherwise, they would be out of alignment with their brand promise and the whole thing implodes. Sellers are the front line. We represent companies and and we've got to be aligned with those promises that the companies make. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the ways that a company could, could clarify some of the values? 
Well, I do think it's training for, for one, but training is just a starting point. It's got to be communicated throughout your company that we want the right results from sales, but we want the right results the right way. So it becomes a part of our culture to do things a certain way. It becomes part of our performance standards to do business a particular way. For example, we don't uh, slash prices at the very last minute so that we can go ahead and and sell a little bit of inventory that's left over. Or we don't um, deceive customers just to make that sale. And, and we don't forget about customers after we've made the sale if, if our promise is service and if our promise is integrity. Our sellers know, and they're upheld to a standard of of living up to what we've promised. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist can help your career. Listening to the Marketing Book Podcast says more about you than you may realize. In addition to being physically attractive, seriously, I've met many of you, and you are a very attractive audience. It also means that you're curious and serious about your business success, and you enjoy learning new things. And your interest in learning also means you're either successful or will be because all the research indicates that big learners are big earners. Plus, with all the changes happening in marketing and sales, continuous learning is crucial. But there's only so much time and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 2,000 best-selling nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are really top-notch, including several books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Merriman Scott, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, Epic Content Marketing by Joe Polizzi, Everybody Writes by Ann Hanley, Hug Your Haters by Jay Bear, and many, many more. It took me hours to read those books, but you can get smart audio summaries of each one in just 15 minutes. Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 1 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. I recommend getting the yearly plan, that's what I did, and getting 20% off because you're going to want to keep it anyway. But don't worry because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast, and that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the Marketing Book Podcast and that you want that discount. You'll get the free version or 20% off your annual plan. I also have a link to it at marketingbookpodcast.com. It's a great, inexpensive, and very smart investment in your professional development and career. And now, back to the show. So on the, the next one, Inspire a Shared Vision, you talked about how in the research there was a, 
a wide gap between the buyers and the sellers and the importance of uh, inspiring a shared vision. And the, I, I, again, I was just surprised. Sellers consistently chose it as the practice they believe is most important, but the buyers felt that it was the least important leadership practice. Can you talk about the exercise you do in workshops related to the story of driving a car alongside the ocean on a sunny day and then you hit some fog? Oh, sure. Um, I think this is a, a really good visual for people to understand what Inspire Shared Vision is all about. I used to live in California, and I could drive down the coast along Highway 1, going south from, say, San Francisco to Monterey, and it was a beautiful drive, just so picturesque. So if you can imagine yourself on this gorgeous drive on a winding road with the sheer cliff drop off and the ocean to your right, that's the visual I'd like you to have. And let's just, you know, we'll make it good. We're in a convertible. Think of every car moment. commercial you've ever seen, right? <laughs> yeah, we're driving along in our convertible and it's a gorgeous day. The sun is shining. There's the ocean. You're going south and, and it's a sheer cliff. Well, it's a windy road. And probably if you're driving along in a workshop, I'd ask people and they would tell me, uh, I've got the radio turned up. You know, my favorite tunes are on. Maybe I'm driving a little fast because it's a sporty car and I've got one hand on the wheel. The other one, I'm just relaxed. It's hanging out the, the, the window, the driver's side. And that's that feeling of being relaxed and being able to really enjoy the space that you're in. But what if you were driving just like that, and suddenly, as California is prone to do, suddenly you hit a bank of fog, and it's deep, heavy fog. What would you do? Mm, slam on the brakes, maybe. You bet. You'd slow down. What else would you do? Well, uh, I don't know. I think I th first I would want to make sure I could see where I'm, where I'm, where I'm going. You bet. So you'd probably turn the headlights on. I bet you'd lean in a little closer, and maybe now both hands are on the wheel. People also tell us that they would turn down the radio, which, if you think about it, makes no sense logically, but they're doing it because they want to concentrate. It was fun a minute ago, but now we've got to really focus. We have to concentrate, and it's 100% of the attention is now on the road. We're going slower and, and being careful. And because it's California, that might only last for half a minute. And then the fog is gone, and it's back to blue skies, clear, sunny, and you can see way out into the distance. Chances are pretty good that you will relax again. Radio goes back up, your arm's hanging out the window again, and you sped up too, and, and you're relaxed. Well, here's the point. See, what, what leaders do is leaders lift the fog. They help people to be able to see further into the distance and to relax and feel good about the journey and to, to know that, that they're safe and that things are moving forward. As sellers who need to lead, because that's what our buyers want from us, we can also lift the fog. We can help our buyers to relax and see clearly what's out there in front of them and to enjoy the ride too. So what is an example of a, um, or a, a seller either gets what the vision is of the prospect or the seller leads them to this vision. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you a story that's fresh. I was on an airplane last night, a flight from Orlando back to Kansas City, and I met the Midwest regional business manager for Jelly Belly Candy, the, the jelly beans. Mm. Uh, his team, you know, we just got to talk and his team sells to retailers and he was telling me that he's working to make the world a sweeter place. Ah. I see what yeah. he did there. Yeah. 
And as he was talking, he'd been in, in candy sales for a long time. He was telling me about his career selling candy. And the one consistent thing that I picked up on as he was talking was his passion for his work and, and for his customers. See, he, di he didn't tell me anything about his success in terms of numbers and goals, although I'm, I'm sure he has a lot he could probably boast about there. But what he did talk about was meeting the demands of his customers and figuring out what his buyer's desires were for certain products, like this new, I guess it's a Jurassic Park collection, and, and somehow there's jelly beans inside this thing, and those are prehistoric eggs. It, it sounded very cool. Um, but they're launching this thing, and he was talking about how happy it's going to make consumers and how his customers are clamoring to get this so that they are able to meet that consumer demand and, and have this product. And everything he talked about, his entire conversation was about painting pictures of these future states where other people were reaching their goals. His customers were reaching their goals. He knew he'd reach his goals when his customers reached theirs, right? But, but this vision that he was creating was a shared vision. His buyers first, him right there with them, guiding them, helping them get where they wanted to go. And it was um, something that he was operationalizing because he had this product that was helping them to get where they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't do any of that if he didn't know what their vision was or could Absolutely. help them paint it. And I recently, this wasn't in your book, but I recently discovered uh, this question, and now I can't remember the name of the book. I think it was Donovan. The one question where you say to a prospect uh, or, or a customer, Let's say it's three years from now and you're really happy with the progress you've made. What is it that made you so happy? And then they start talking about things that you might not have even think to ask them, but that's when they start to share their vision with you. And uh, spoiler alert, a lot of it's not necessarily about the product you might be selling to them. Absolutely not. And that is the, the first book I wrote, Discover Questions, Get You Connected. That was also based on buyer research and you're spot on, Doug. It's all about finding out what drives them, what what do they value, what's going to help them to, to see things differently. And it has to be their sharing in the vision that you're creating, co-creating together. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the next one. And it's Challenge the Process, which of course brings to mind one of my favorite, favorite books, The Challenger Sale. But I wanted to read from one part of that chapter that, that made me laugh. You say, at a 2017 Sales 3.0 conference, one speaker <laughs> brought down the house when he said, I can't take any more arrogant 26-year-old challenger selling know-it-alls telling me I don't know how to run my business. Can someone just teach the challenger sales crowd some manners? <laughs> so... <laughs> That is not what is meant by this third part. Please explain challenge the process. You bet. Well, l let me address that comment first, because I, I also believe in the challenger selling approach. I think that there's something very valuable there, but I, also, I think it's been misinterpreted. And if you were to take the challenger selling and isolate it from other things we need like relationships and connections with customers, then you'd end up looking like the arrogant 26-year-old who just comes in and, and right off the bat before a relationship is established at all, starts asking questions that, that aren't appropriate. <laughs> Telling them that they're doing everything wrong. <laughs> right, right. So we can go overboard with any of this. Yeah. You know, my co-author, Jim Kuzis, he's really fond of saying that leadership 
and these five practices, it's a little bit like being in the decathlon event, right? In the decathlon, you have to get good at many things. You can't just skip the javelin throw because it's not your strong suit. Mm -hmm. So you have to work on, on all of the, the events. And in leadership, you have to work on all the, the practices. Some people will say that for them, challenge the process is difficult because challenge the process is about experimenting, taking risks, being willing to fail and learn and grow and pick yourself up and start over again. Leaders, they are restless. They ask questions like what's new and what's next. And even if that doesn't come naturally for you, your buyers want you to do this. It's important to them. They, it, it makes me think of like having a predisposition towards action. Absolutely. Right. We, we look for the first in, in sales. Unfortunately, so often we look for the first little hint of anything that suggests they might need my product. And then we pounce before, <laughs> before we have all the information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So can, can you give an example of, of, uh, somebody who has, has challenged the process in a way that you all outline in the book? Yes, I, you're getting things that are fresh in my mind. The reason I was in Orlando yesterday was I was talking to a group of folks from, from AAA, a sales team. I mean, such a dedicated group, smart people, very, very knowledgeable about the travel industry. And what I was struck by is the openness, the receptiveness of this group. These were some, some people who were in this business for 30 plus years, some of them. Uh, some were, were brand new in sales, but everyone. It didn't seem to matter. They were all very, very open. They were hungry to learn more and eager to try new things. And they asked questions all day. They just asked me one after another question. So think about that. This is a highly successful organization with a lock on the travel market. They've got something like 58 million members, highly successful, but they're not resting on their laurels. Culturally, Obviously, they hire for it and they encourage it. These are people who challenge themselves and they challenge others. They asked me really probing questions, and then they were very uh, much coaching each other and pulling apart what they do personally to try to figure out ways they could do new things. So part of challenging is being open and willing to learn and being able to look beyond your own echo chamber to, to have an opportunity to see something else and leaders are learners. So that's why this group stuck out to me so much. Mm, that's great. That really sounds uh, very inspiring. It's a it great was. organization. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one, uh, the fourth one is enable others to act. And I wanted to read uh, just one thing from uh, the beginning of that section. You say sales enablement is all the rage. It's a sweeping term that encompasses all the technology systems, practices, processes, training and tools that help sellers produce results faster. Buyer enablement is another matter. It's far less common and a concept many sales organizations resist, reject, or simply ignore. Sharing control of the sale with the buyer and trusting buyers to make informed decisions without sellers seems risky, but buyer enablement is critical to sales success. And what I wanted to ask was if you could explain what sales enablement, buyer enablement is, and, and what what is it about sales enablement that you argue that it's 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 complicating the human to human connections yeah you know i i am in favor of sales enablement of tools and training and methodologies that make selling easier however i think that we are 
inundated with many enablement options, and we aren't always using them wisely. So they become a time drain on sellers. We have to be careful that what we consider enabling is not actually disabling. So that's so. My what would caution. be an example of a of a time wasting sales enablement thing? Yeah, um, if you don't know how to use your CRM appropriately, any CRM. You can waste a lot of time if you haven't provided the training, if you haven't figured out which reports matter and which data you really need to capture, and you've got salespeople doing a lot of input and a lot of analysis, then that's time they're not spending with buyers. So it's just a caution. I'm I'm not opposed to it. I, I see great value in it when it's used appropriately. And I could say the very same thing about any enablement tool, even as a sales trainer. Sales training is an enablement tool that can be misused. It can become a complete waste of time if it's not used wisely. Mm-hmm. So what is buyer enablement? Yeah, the word enablement means to make able. And buyer enablement is anything we do to make the buyer able to proceed through their process of buying. Enablement and enable others to act means collaborating. It means giving people an opportunity to participate. And here's one thing we do, Doug, you mentioned Challenger, but I'll talk about insight selling. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother really good body of work that's been largely misinterpreted because people think that we're supposed to go away and create insights and create solutions and bring them back and spring them on the buyer. And then sellers are confused. Well, I, I did all that work and I think it makes sense for them. How come they're not buying it? And the reason is that buyers want to be involved. They want to be participants in creating what they want. They want to be involved. They want to co-create those insights and and have their imprint on those solutions. And if we're leaving them out of that process, we are not enabling them. We're doing work unilaterally that is not involving them. And so they reject it. They don't have buy-in. Why would they buy? Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm required by podcast law to mention the Challenger, uh, the Challenger customer book, which is the sort of the, uh, you could argue it's a companion to the Challenger sale, where they talk about insights quite a bit and how being able to get the different, the, the buying committee uh, to um, reach consensus, even before sometimes the uh, salespeople uh, are contacted, is, is a big part of using insight selling uh, and, and insights in marketing properly. Right. And so we have more decision makers than ever in tech, especially. And and uh, we need to enable every one of those buyers, not just the one that we got lucky and contacted. We need to be leading that process, guiding the entire buying team. And we, we can't do that if we're trying to do it outside of them. Mm-hmm. So the last one is encourage the heart. And you talk about how most sellers don't see the need for encouraging the hearts of buyers. <laughs> what is meant by it, and why is that so important? Well, you know, we we know it's important to thank a buyer for their time and to thank them after they've signed the contract. What we forget is that in between the time that they begin to come along toward our solution and the time when it actually happens— we forget that inside their own organization, they're working hard. They're convincing other people to allocate budget. They're saying 
goodbye and no to the vendor that they used to use. And they're justifying that decision with everybody who wonders if that's really a smart move. And they are now probably having to do something in the way of retraining various teams who are going to use this new product. They're putting their necks out there. They're, they're taking risks to bring us into their organization, no matter what we sell. And they need encouragement. Encourage means to pour courage into. They need encouragement along the way. They need to know that we have confidence in their abilities and decisions. They need to have some recognition and praise and, and just undergirding throughout the internal process. And us calling them up and saying, hey, just doing a check-in. What's up? I haven't heard from you. <laughs> No, that's not, don't do that. <laughs> it's not encouraging. No. It's not helpful. It's one-sided. We're not letting them know we have their best interests at heart. We're not letting them know that we understand how hard they're working and we appreciate it and we want to do whatever we can to enable them through that process. You know, it, in reading that part of the book, I, I have to admit, I, I, even I forgot about how much uh, risk buyers are taking on. They're expending a lot of uh, career capital. In certain cases, and it's there's a lot more going on than just what the uh, seller needs. <laughs> and sometimes, That's right. sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we're not their top priority. And that may hurt, I know I can't believe true. that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's very true. And it's the same with uh, clients we work with, where you know they're they're busy. They they actually have some other things they have to be working on uh, besides what we might be helping them with. So, Deb, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Oh, I, I hope it would be that they would see come to see themselves as leaders. So we wrote this book for frontline sellers. Secondary was I wanted to give voice to those frustrated buyers. But this is for frontline salespeople who feel kind of beat down. It's a doom and gloom, hear and know all the time, def having to fight those stereotypes about sellers. The truth is, though, that you already are a leader. And so what I would want you to do after reading this book is to unleash your leadership potential and step fully into your role as a leader. Not only do your buyers want it, but it actually feels really good when you, when you understand yourself in that way. Well said. And you know, this book reminded me uh, in a certain way of another book that's been here on the podcast called The 12 Powers of a Marketing Leader. And these two authors studied thousands and thousands. So like yours, it was based on a lot of data of people who work with marketers, who hire marketers, who uh, are colleagues or, or, or un, uh, work for them. And it talked about how the most effective marketers today in this period of great change in the marketing world have a certain kind of leadership skill, not like um, they're not like being a platoon leader in the military, but a certain leadership where they're, they have heightened collaboration skills and they're always teaching and they're helping to guide their organization towards this new, uh, you know, marketing future and, and outcome. And so my prediction is that uh, in the in the days and, and years ahead, you're going to see on Amazon people who bought uh, stop selling and start leading also bought the twelve powers of a marketing leader. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. Hmm. All right. I will be sure to start thinking about it as a companion piece then. <laughs> well, for sales and marketing, but yes. I just I just kind of got the same sort of vibe from that. And I'm going to be sharing your book with the authors, Thomas Barda and Patrick Barwise. So, Deb, what books have inspired your work and career? 
So many. Uh, I'm a huge reader. Uh, of course, the Leadership Challenge, which I have read now every edition multiple times, and, and uh, I've I've known that work for over 20 years. So my co-authors, Jim Kuzis and Barry Posner, everything that they've written has helped shape who I am. Um, you know, something else much more recent, uh, Jim Keenan's book, Not Taught. Keenan, he's he, he's brash, he's bold, he just says things like it is. And I am adopting some of his ways of looking at the world, the no excuses, go ahead and reach deep. Come on, don't, don't let yourself deceive yourself. You, you can do it if you really want to do it. Some of that kind of uh, language and encouragement is, is really useful to me at this stage in my career. So I, I, that one I have to give a little shout out to because it's been affecting me lately. Oh, interesting. I, I'm, I, I'm not familiar with his work, but we will make sure to include some links to um, his books there. Great. Now you got me doing work here. Uh, <laughs> that sounds really very, very interesting. So are there any recent or upcoming books that uh, you recommend or are looking forward to reading? As I look at all the endorsements uh, at the beginning of your book, you know a lot of authors. Um, I, you know, I'm fortunate. I, I used to read for, for three years running. I read a, a business book every day of the year. So I, I do know a lot. And I, um, you'd finish the book community. Oh yeah. Every day. Wow. And I'm, I'm fast reader and I've, I've always been a huge reader, but then I, this year I said, I'm going to start reading fiction. And so I've joined a book club. I've been reading some great fiction, but the book that's on my desk right now that I will read next is Dan Pink's new book called when, Oh, I'm really yeah. excited about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Jeb Blunt has a new book coming out about objections, and yes. he and I have been talking about objections. I was on his podcast, I don't know, five or six or seven years ago, and uh, we had a great conversation about it. So I'm I'm really eager to see how he put that book together. Yes, and I've gotten a, a tentative nod from him to come back on the show to to talk about objections. We just have to make sure that we can uh, I can I can get on his calendar. Mm -hmm. So how best can listeners learn more about you and the book? Uh, we have a website where you can find all sorts of things, including ways that you can bulk order the book for your entire team or your associations or, or organizations that you're a part of. And if you order that early enough, I think before the end of March, we'll be able to work out some little speaking agreement for you. Um, so that's there. Some of the uh, other research and literature is there. It's stopsellingstartleading.com is that website. All those words are spelled out, stopsellingstartleading.com. And the book is on all the major retail sites online, so you can find it anywhere. And we'll make sure to include a link to stopsellingstartleading.com, as well as these other books you've mentioned. I'm also going to want to include a link to your company website, peoplefirstps.com. And on Twitter, you are at peoplefirstps. And... I'm at Marketing Books, so if uh, the listeners are out there and they want to thank you for being on the show, please uh, tweet at PeopleFirstPS. Let me just close with a, one other quote. It's such a quotable book, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> when you stop selling and start leading, buyers will respond. You will too. Becoming a leader is one of the noblest and most energizing things you will ever do. We fervently hope this book will enrich your life and the lives of your buyers, your family, your colleagues, and your community. Are you ready? The name of the book is Stop Selling and Start Leading, How to Make Extraordinary Sales Happen. The authors are Deb Calvert, Jim Kuzis, and Barry Posner. Deb, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. 
Thank you very much. And that closes the book on episode 165 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist, to support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. Visit Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to that special offer at MarketingBookPodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome Joe Lazowskis to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about the new book he has co-authored with Shane Snow, The Storytelling Edge, How to Transform Your Business, Stop Screaming Into the Void, and Make people love you. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.